Welcome to the aggressive life. You know, every few months, I feel the need to reintroduce our listeners to what we mean by the word aggressive. It's a word that's frequently misunderstood in our culture. We think it means physically domineering somebody or just being a bully. No, it doesn't mean that. It means I actually take control of my life instead of hoping something accidentally makes my life a little better. That's what we're trying to encourage you with on this show and just give you a bunch of different examples and insights to help you live the life that God has given you. So today we're going to meet a man who has done just that. He's taken advantage of his life and taken advantage of opportunities. It's pretty impressive. Steve Hightower is the president and CEO of Hightower's Petroleum, an incredibly successful Ohio-based diesel and gasoline supplier, meeting energy needs all over the country for juggernauts like GM, Delta, FedEx, Kroger, and AT&T. Under Steve's leadership, Hightower's Petroleum was named GM Supplier of the Year in 2019. Uh, It's listed among Inc.'s 5,000 most successful companies and landed a spot in the top 10 largest African-American-owned businesses in the nation. And he has a very demanding life in business. And uh, you're going to hear his phone going off in the background and other things happening by all outward marks. Steve is a runaway success, but it wasn't a dumb luck or even business savvy that propelled him to the top. As we're going to find today, it was aggressive moves. Well, before he occupied the corner office, Steve was cleaning toilets and sweeping floors as a janitor on nights and weekends. His humble beginnings led to amazing outcomes through determination, hard work, and aggression pointed in the right direction. I'm looking forward to not just sharing his wisdom with you today. I'm actually looking forward to get his wisdom today. Little insider scoop on the aggressive life. When Dirt and I get a new guest on, I always say to him right away, hey, let's not have any niceties because I always find that once we start talking niceties, I say, oh, let's say that in the save that in the podcast. So Steve and I have not talked. I, I never talk with my guests who I don't know at all until we start the interview. So I get to learn about him the same time you do. Dude, just just reading your introduction fires me freaking up. Oh my gosh. Steve Hightower, welcome to the aggressive life. Well, thank you very much. And I'm glad that um, this is a very aggressive uh, interview because there's a lot of things that people think and when they think about the janitorial business and you know as I heard it come out of your voice when you said uh you know cleaning toilets and you know janitorial at night and blah 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 what you don't know is that's what who made me who I am and not just who made me who I am it taught me my business lessons it taught me how to negotiate it taught me how to service customers it taught me how to buy supplies it did all of that. It wasn't a negative that it happened to be in the janitorial business, but it was a positive because that was the business that taught me who I am today to become the person that I have become. So give us the literal step-by-step. When you say when you're scrubbing toilets, just tell us like what age were you? You're literally scrubbing toilets or you're managing people who are scrubbing toilets. And then you went from there to what? Just just give us your own bio and your own memory. Well, before I, I say that, I, it, it, you bring to mind a uh, another part of the business that we're involved with, which is the 
construction business, which we do wastewater treatment uh, plant. And uh, one of the things that the general contractor first told me, uh, he said, you smell that? It's crap, right? No, it's money. That's the smell of money. That is correct. <laughs> and, and cleaning toilets and cleaning houses and 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 buildings, that's money. That's how <laughs> and that's the smell of money. So what what do you understand that what it's uh what you do as a commerce doesn't matter if you're the best at it, you are you have the ability to grow and become as successful, whatever that happens to be. Many people don't realize that success is doing the right things over a long period of time and becoming very good at it. And so when I started the janitorial business, I started at age seven and four, five, six, actually wiping uh, the bottoms of uh, chairs and baseboards because that's, you know, we weren't really tall enough to really do the uh, desk and all the other big things that was in offices when we were only, you know, uh, knee high to a grasshopper at the at the time. As a child, you're very impressionable. Many people don't realize how do you train your children to become, you know, productive at a very early age. And most people say, oh, they're kids, let them be kids. We don't want them involved. Uh, they don't have to work, you know, uh, let them go to school and, you know, just, just do kid things. Well, part of our kid things was working. And part of that, that work taught me how to become a business person because I was able to see my father and I was able to go behind my father and actually see him sit in offices and sometimes be treated very, very bad, okay? Um, I mean, this is a cruel world out here uh, for African-Americans, particularly back in the 60s and 70s when, you know, there just really wasn't a lot of Black-owned businesses doing non-traditional businesses, unlike the janitorial business, but then looking at things like petroleum. And people say, well, how did you get in the petroleum business? It really wasn't on purpose. I didn't actually go to school to be in a petroleum engineer. I didn't have a job in a petroleum company. Uh, I didn't know anything. But what I learned in a janitorial business was how to be transactional. Mm. I knew how to pay my bills. I knew how to actually go out and get a supply and then take it to market. And when the state of Ohio looked at their uh, overall procurement, the procurement that was going to African-Americans and other minorities was less than 0.0002.5% of the purchases that actually was going to diverse uh, communities. They actually put in a affirmative action tool that allowed the state to set aside 15% of their goods and services that they purchased on an annual basis in order to give exposure to these companies to markets that they never had opportunity to touch. And one day they set aside fuel and BP had had the fuel contract for 30 years. And when they set aside fuel, that gave BP an opportunity to actually work with a diverse company. And my first contract was the entire state of Ohio. So that's how <laughs> I got into the fuel business. Steve, you hit on a couple things that is just really fascinating. First of all, uh, um, I'm glad you brought up the whole minority business. Uh, we're on Zoom. Like I, I, I never see race, so I didn't even realize you're black until you just mentioned it. You know, I never. 
I'm kidding. <laughs> and, and you don't look white either. I yeah, guess, exactly. Uh, you're, you're transparent. You're a transparent guy. <laughs> no, not at all. But I've got um, I've got a number of friends who are in the black owned business segment, and Steve just you know described it really well about opportunities are there for minority owned businesses, uh, which are justified opportunities and necessary opportunities for our culture. I mean, I think it's fantastic. And for those who are white, we can go like, oh, oh, some of us who are white might say, oh, well, yeah, but you know, I don't have like a special ability to have contracts given to me because of my skin tone. And, but that's just not the way it works. It's not the way it works at all. In fact, the people who I talk to. And that's not necessarily a true thought process. Exactly. because actually there are set aside that the state has for appellation, okay, which is strictly financial based. White males, white females are all, you know, in that category. The program that the state has uh, for that category, there are categories for LGBTQ, who has in many cases been discriminated against in certain areas. There were set aside for women. Uh, white women as well as black women for things that's been discriminatory over the period of years for women. So there's really my where it actually started uh, in trying to right some wrongs in the African-American, Hispanic, and Native American communities has expanded to include all classes of people that might need that extra hand. And so it, it's it's proven today veterans I have their set aside as well. So I mean it's it's not it's not black anymore. Right. It's people that have been economically discriminated against for whatever society has created over that period of time. And then they kind of go away. So they don't last forever. Yeah. Okay. But back in early 70s, late 70s, early 80s, it was pretty bad. And there was, and to this day in the petroleum business, I'm considered one and the only African-American wholesale national distributor in the country. And there's only two or three others who are just now pecking their heads in, in the industry, growing into the industry as a result of our success. Okay. It, I mean, there's many categories in which companies that look like myself just never had the opportunity to work in those markets. And you know, how many banks yeah. uh, are owned by Americans? How many signs do you go down I-75 and look on one side of the street, on the other side of the street, and they all seem to be not minority-owned companies? Right. Well, and those of us who, you know, I I run a pretty large organization. We have a lot of contracts. We've got a lot of staff members. We need a lot of vendors. And uh, and there just are not that many out there to – to hire and to choose. And the friends of mine who are in the minority owned businesses would say the same thing. I say like, I, I just can't, I can't find someone who will succeed me. I don't know who, what my successor is because there's not a lot of people. It, it, it's, it's a, this isn't a white black thing. What I, that was just step say, it's not a white black thing. It's a human nature thing. A very few of us are open to seeing opportunities and taking that, um, you mentioned the little things. I was just reading this morning about the ant and the sluggard uh, in the book of Proverbs, that the ant does the little things every day. And when I hear your story, that's what I hear. You're doing the little things from scrubbing a toilet to the little things of negotiating contracts for toilet paper to the little things of learning about a new program, the little things of going out and finding partners. I mean, that that's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, the one thing you left out of that was doing all of those little things with pride and excellence. Each and every one of those categories, okay, have to have pride and excellence, and you build on that. And that becomes your resume over a period of time. Who is that person? That person consistently did something well over a long period of time to where eventually you got respected for it. Now, in my case, it may have taken 30 years to get to that point. I'm 40 years in, okay, into the petroleum industry. It's taken, it took 30 years just to be get recognized. Who is willing to put in that kind of time that long to really basically almost work at break-even costs until they break through that system to become recognized as a true player and to get the same type of deals in terms of buying product and opportunities with customers. And it's because you, the, every customer that you got along the way, you took care of those customers. You, you made sure they had what they needed when they wanted it. Uh, you didn't overcharge them. You did all the things that you had to do over a long period of time. And that's how you grow a business. It doesn't happen overnight. Your resume doesn't build uh, in, in a day or a year. It builds in a lifetime. 30 years of break-even. Boy, that's encouraging. That's, that's no, not. Well, <laughs> very discouraging. Uh, but yet at the same time, it was my truth. Yeah. Now, the next person that's coming behind me, it may not be their truth to work that long to get to that point. All right. But when I broke through an industry where there was a zero tolerance for anybody that looked like me in that industry, it took a long time to get to a point where I can do business in every state in the U.S., uh, in pretty much every supplier that's in the industry. And if you look globally and you use the name Hightower in that industry, most people have either heard of me or know of me because of the brand that I've created over that period of time. Well, but I think it's encouraging for for those of us who feel like we're treading water, for those of us who feel like we're not getting ahead, for those of us who feel like our growth graph isn't going up and to the right. It may not be going up and to the right now, but sometimes there's folks like you who just do the little ant-like things in an excellent way, but it just takes time to catch and pay off. That's what I mean by, it sucked to be you in that 30 years. I'm sure it did. (laughs) You know what I mean? But, but I, 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 we, we, we all just want to hit the lottery. We just think we need the right idea. And a year later, it's going to be amazing. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why, you know, there's a lot of smart people out here. We all have some level of intelligence and know something about something. Uh, but what it takes to become an entrepreneur, it takes a lot of heart, it takes a lot of sacrifice, and it takes a lot of determination along with vision. And when you put all of that together, okay, that's what makes an entrepreneur, all right? And then the longevity of that. Uh, we live in a society that wants instant gratification. Uh, we live in a society that looks at you know, those that might be a little older than them and say, hey, we don't have to do that. That was your route. It, we, we don't need to do that. So they hop from one job to another every six months trying to hop to a better opportunity. But they don't understand that you cannot grow roots if you don't stay somewhere long enough or in something long enough in order for those roots to take place to allow that tree to grow and mature and become a beautiful walnut tree. All right. And, you know, that's the thing that we have to really continue to 
to stress to those who want to grow, whether it's in corporate America or whether it's your own business, that you have to become rooted. You've got to actually become a pro at something, all right, to a point where people will come to you because you are that uh, you're that person uh, that has that type of information that they're looking for or that type of su success that they're looking for and how did you get there? And if people would really look back at those that have been successful, find out what they did to become successful and do some of that, got, got your own thing, but do some of those things that it takes to be successful based off of what successful people have done, they will get there a lot quicker. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. That patience and finding that thing. If so, for you, Steve, you your janitorial construction petroleum. What's what's the thing for you? Like people would might think, well, the thing for him is gas, petroleum. That's where he was getting. But but there's a skill that you were leveraging in all those three things. What's the what's the thing that you're great at? Communications being able to communicate my story and my product and what's in it for you. And if you cannot, if you do not learn and understand the value of communications at a very, very young age, I mean, I used to take speech courses and, and competitive speaking in high school, uh, going from one school to the other on a, every week doing competitive speaking. I did it in college. I did it in JCs. I did it in Toastmasters afterwards. I became a communicator, an effective communicator. And that's what people really hear, all right? You can you can say whatever you wanna say, but you can say it effectively or you can say it ineffectively. And, you know, understanding people. I've been brought up in the church. Uh, I've always been Christian. Uh, it was very, very true to understanding uh, the value that, I have versus the value that the Lord gives me. Uh, and you know, that the tissue that I am is so fragile that it can blow away today and, and I become nothing. So understanding when you're going into what I call war, if you're going into negotiation with a big corporation, you got to take something with you. You got to get prayed up. You got to be psyched up. You got to, you got to know that something is within you that's going to be able to stand up against a General Motors or a AT&T for the very first time. And it's got to be more than just Steve, okay, showing up. You've got, you've got to have a power big enough that when you walk out of that room, they really didn't know what hit them. They didn't know who was beside you and who was in the room with you. But, you know, you was able to, you know, communicate in that way because you had the spirit inside you to be able to bring it out. So That's fantastic. There, Boy, this is not a faith podcast, but I am a man of faith. My day job is being a pastor. So I'm always, I'm always excited to go there. You're, you're, you're exactly right, man. I feel the same way. There's, there were times, especially when I was younger, I would go into meetings with people who were just world leaders in something or CEOs or whatever. And, and I didn't feel like I was the younger snot-nosed wannabe pastor. I went in with awareness, like the spirit of God is in me and there's a calling on my life, I'm, I'm ready for this and I'm up for it and they're gonna be glad that they're with me. There is a confidence that comes when you believe that the very spirit of God is inside of you. 
you're not alone. It gives you an, it, it gives you another thing. Uh, you want to build on that more? I, I I know we're on the same in the same choir on this. Little secrets unknown, but you know I I often attend a, a restroom stall uh, before I go into a meeting. All right, <laughs> and not only do I pray, you know I I I. I I psych myself into what it is that I'm getting ready to do. All right. And um, again, I build myself before I go in there spiritually. And then I go in for warfare and um, Mm. you know, seldom, seldom do I lose when I'm prayed up and, and ready uh, with all my swords and guns. And again, they don't know what I'm going in there with. They don't know how loaded I am. But, you know, uh, when you come out and you had all of these, you know, great people or big corporate folks around and, you know, you come out and you won, you know, you did not do that on your own two feet. That's you know? fantastic. So that's so just like golfers or people who play tennis, they know there has to be a routine before every shot. The certain thing you do every time or people who make free throws in basketball, you're saying you've got a routine before pitch. You go inside the, the, the stall in the men's room, pray, get yourself fired up. That's right. Is that what you're saying? That's absolutely. Or, or that's some places that's away from everybody else. That's great. That's fantastic. No, that's boy. I have, I haven't thought about that before. So uh, you're, you're making me think about things I haven't thought of before because I do that before before I preach with something. Um, I haven't really talked about this before, but a number of years ago, yeah, a lot of years ago, I was in a bathroom. I was staying at a friend's house in Florida. And uh, I walked into a room one day in a bathroom at, at night. I got woke up in the night to go in and I felt like there was a presence inside the bathroom. And I turned on the light and there was a scorpion on the ground. And there's a passage in the Bible that says, you will tread on scorpions, they will not hurt you. Well, I didn't have the guts to smash it with my bare heel, <laughs> but I did take a towel and kill it. And then I took that scorpion and I had it, I, I've had it encapsulated in clear acrylic. It's a little square. And I have a routine. Your routine is going into the men's stall before you have a pitch. My routine before I go on stage, I put my foot on top of the the scorpion that I killed, and I say a prayer, going like I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna trample the evil one today that's trying to steal people out of God's hand. I just get I, I try to get my I get my that's how I get myself fired up. I I I think it's important. I'm getting excited with you. We're totally different industries. We're doing similar practices. Now I'd say to all of our listeners, what do you do to give yourself an edge? What do you do to fire yourself up? If you're not firing yourself up, you're going to get fired. You've got to figure out what it is. What works for you? Stop being normal. Do something different. Be aggressive. Absolutely. You you got You got to go in there fired up, or you you'll get beat up. <laughs> Man, so with all the awards, all the accolades you've had, the hundreds of employees, millions of dollars in businesses, right now, do you do you feel like you've made it? Absolutely not. You know, I'm I'm just halfway to where I'm trying to get to. You know, it takes a lot of energy to become a large business and I'm a small business growing and they call me now a mid-cap medium-sized business. Uh, I've matured to, to that. But even with that, I, I deal with a commodity that everybody else has. I mean, 
everybody's gas is the same gas and we're all selling the same gas. Nobody is going to pay another quarter or a dollar or even a nickel more for gas if they can get it cheaper. And so we still deal in a penny business. Mike, we've, we've evolved to a couple of other areas. EV uh, charging stations is one of the areas that we uh, have invested heavily into in being able to install EV charging stations across the country uh, with several technologies that were technology agnostic, but have this, uh, the infrastructure and the technologies to take the market to our existing customers today. Um, you know, and then also looking at alternative fuels ourselves. So we just gotten technology that will allow us to go out in oil fields and literally take uh, flaring gas and turn it into renewable diesel and renewable jet fuel and distilled water that can be utilized all over the world, okay, right on the site. But it stops all of the uh, flaring and air pollution and all of the things that goes on uh, with flaring of natural gas, okay, once you've hit a well. So, you know, we, we have to stay ahead of, you know, the, the game. Uh, we can't just be settled in doing the same thing that we've always been doing and expect for our cheese to be there because uh, somebody's going to move your cheese. And, you know, <laughs> the GM and Ford and, and uh, Honda and Nissan being some of our top customers, you know, they're moving the ball. Okay, they're they're not staying still with gasoline and diesel. So whereas today we might put five gallons worth of gas in every GM car that comes off the assembly plant, those plants are turning into electric uh, plants. Those cars are going away. We had a whole year almost of no chips and no production. All right, you've got to change your mindset and understand that the market is shifting. Where are you going to be when that market has totally shifted? Have you already made you're, you're, if you look forward enough to be able to get in front of that shift and become a part of it, or are you going to be the last horse and buggy on the street? And we are never wanting to be the last horse and buggy on the street. Man, it just seems like everything is changing so fast. The pace of change has accelerated so much in the last several years. Uh, it, it's always been there. There's always been the gurus who talk about change or die. That's true. But boy, it is just... I mean, it's so quick right now. And and I didn't think about it from your industry. Like, wow, yeah, if I was in gas where there was actual like liquid kind of gas, gosh, you're right. It's with, with all the electric technology and the solar and the recharging and there's a, there's a new electric vehicle coming out every other day, it feels like. That would be ominous. And I feel like it, and even in my my quote unquote industry church, it's just like you know your your product of hey, let's just gear up for Sunday and see people walk in the building and give them something that's going to help them with their week. That product is still real. That uh, that that market, if you will, that person still needs help and wants to connect with God that way. But man. The on, connecting online, connecting through other experiences—it's—it's it, it, it's not simply pull off good services and have a good s- sermon and all is going to be good. No, you got to ha- do that, but that's only a segment of your quote-unquote business anymore. You—you you remember the Jetsons where you got these flying cars and me, George Jetson. It's already here. It's not—it's not coming anymore. GM is already producing them. Okay, they've announced them, like we've seen them. Uh, and so, you know, this world is not going to be yesterday's world. 
And if you don't have a good sustainability uh, program that's going to take you into where we're going, not where we're at, but where we're going, you know, you're just going to be left behind and you can't wait till, you, till it's happened to say that you're going to start learning and, and understanding what's going on. You'll be too late at that point in time. Yeah, that's good. All right, Steve, are you ready for the lightning round? The lightning round is when I give you a topic and you have to give me a quick one to two sentence answer. Lightning fast answers, like a bolt of lightning. Can you handle the lightning round, Steve Hightower? Let me take a drink here. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Here we go. What are you most proud of? Being able to look back and say that you have a company that people can recognize as a, as a success. Business leader you look up to? Robert Smith. Oh, Robert Smith. I don't know who he, who he is. Who's Robert Smith? The richest African-American in the United States today. What's his business? IT. Huh. What's the name of his business? Uh, he has several businesses. Uh, he donated uh, probably... 30, 24 million to the National Park Foundation. Uh, while I was there, I, at the same year, he gave $21 million to the uh, National African American Museum. Uh, and he also made a, a pretty big donation to several others uh, that I won't, will not name, but in significant amounts all in the same year. Um, Robert Smith is the guy right now all on right. the scene. Cool. All right. <clears throat> Biggest motivation that keeps you going on hard days? Uh, The desire to succeed. Historical figure you'd like to spend time with, whether they're alive or dead? Martin Luther King Jr. Best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Don't stop. If you had to sum up your career in a few words... Give us an epitaph. Your, sum up your business career. It is? He left a legacy and he built an opportunity for many to follow. Most aggressive mistake you've made and what you learned from it? I got duped trying to make money. And you just have to make sure that you do your homework and you don't jump at money just because you it, it looks too easy well let's talk about let's talk about that normally the lightning round is the last thing but uh just just two more things before we're done here uh, one i want to i want to give you an open-ended thing to talk about anything that i haven't asked you about but you just mentioned something else here that i i think would be a great discussion uh i'm bumping it with more and more people who have been duped or made just got taken financially i had an interesting interaction with one guy said um his dad was a really big financial guy, huge financial guy. And then when his dad retired, my friend got taken advantage of because he didn't realize that his just the just the reputation of his dad kept people in line playing nice with him because they didn't want to tick off his dad. And then when he was on his own, he just, you know, he just he just got taken a couple times. So what, what do you have any advice to how we can not get taken, what you've learned. What do you, what do you look for? What, what, when, do you, when do your spidey senses start going off that something doesn't smell right here or I shouldn't do this deal? Do you have any wisdom for us? 
Well, trust, but verify. And, you know, many of us are trusting people because we look for the good in, in people before we find the bad. Uh, that's, I think that's pretty much how things like that happen is that you did not do enough. Um, we just didn't do enough investigating to find out what really, really is going on. So if someone says they got four wells in East Texas, you actually go put eyeballs and make sure there are four wells there. If somebody make sure, that, make sure there are four wells and, and then that you've got their attorney or some type of legal uh, person that's going to put their license on the line to contest that they have those wells in their name as well. That's good. Or if you meet some guy who seems like great and amazing business references on him that go back 20 years or something like that, not just, hey, this guy's had a good run the last year. Or the, I know somebody who knows him for two years who likes him a lot. Deeper stuff right. than that. You know, uh, unfortunately, there's people who don't, their full-time job year in and year out is to find ways to dupe people. And so there's some very, very clever, smart crooks out here in, in, in the world. And um, when I can be, you know, taken uh, and, you know, not be proud of it whatsoever, you know, all I can do is put out a warning to, to say that, you know, it can happen to you too. And uh, really, that's one of the worst feelings you can have. But, you know, fortunately, um, you know, hopefully they don't put you in a situation where you can't come out of. But there's always someone lurking around the corner to do evil just like there's always someone across from you that can do good as well. Steve, is there anything you want to talk about today I haven't asked you about? Anything you're burning to get into? You know, again, just looking at tomorrow and not not really focused on yesterday uh, because yesterday is, is history. Uh, tomorrow is the future and the opportunity to do more. And I'm I'm that guy who is looking to do much, much more in my life uh, even where some people at my age are looking to retire, uh, I have not made it yet. Uh, many people think that you are uh, at a certain point, but you know the point that you're trying to get to, and you're not measured by others. You're measured by your own measure of success. And I'm only 50% of the way there. And I've got a lot I've got to do between now and I do leave this earth. And then hopefully that dash between 1956 and whenever that last date is that is full enough that it can live for a very long time and someone has something to talk about that's living. That's good. Steve, this has been great. You've uh, given us a lot to chew on. If somebody wants to just hear more about what you have to say, do you have any any books or social media accounts or anything like that you want to promote? Basically, I'm saying promote yourself if you've got anything right now. Well, www hightowerspetroleum.com, H-I-G-H-T-O-W-E-R-S-P-E-T-R-O-L-E-U-M. Has a lot of video, has a lot of documentary type things that we've done over the years. Uh, and I think it's not just a um, business uh, website, but it's also a website that can take you into who Steve Hightower really is. And, you know, some of the things that we've done to accomplish what we've done. Brother, this has been great. You know, we don't we don't live too far apart from one another. You're in Middletown. I'm in Cincinnati. Who knows? 
maybe the stars will align. We can have lunch someday or something like that. I've, I've, I've enjoyed this a lot and really impressed with your story. You've, you've helped us all a lot and have also set my mind in some directions that are really good. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, well, thank you very much for the opportunity. And I know you sit on a world stage and thank you for allowing me to have that opportunity to sit with you. You're too kind. Well, that's it, boys and girls. You know, you never know what you're going to get here in the aggressive life. You said, I I need to learn more about the petroleum industry. Well, you just did from a giant in it. Good stuff. Hey, if you like this episode, why don't you give us a review? If you didn't like it, don't give us a review. No one cares what you think. But if you like it, give us a review. Help us drive traffic so we can get good guests like Steve. We'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com. Find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram at Brian Tome. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.